Hello, and welcome to Bookish Delight, where neither of us like Turkish Delight and only one of us has read Narnia. I'm Amanda. I'm Dina. And this week, we're going to talk about what we read and then tell you about some upcoming books that we are uh, really looking forward to and what they're about. So, what'd you read? I read Crescent City by Sarah J. Mass, and I rated it 4.5 because it could have got a 5, but there was, like, no, like... It pissed me off because they always got interrupted when they were about to have sex. <laughs> they never mm, did it. No spice. <laughs> you were mad about the no um, spice? Yeah. It could have gotten a five. But I was like, no. It wasn't perfect. <laughs> the struggle. Um, I can't talk about it because you're going to read it. <laughs> um, but it made me tear up multiple times. And Sarah J. Mass knows how to write a fucking battle scene. Like, it was fucking wild. My only thing is, is you already told me, like, you didn't, like, fully connect with any character. So I'm like, fuck. Because, like, that's that's a thing I need. I mean, I like the characters. I just am not, like, in love, like, Reese or Jane yeah. or Matthew. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. That's all you read this week? Yeah. I am not going to talk about one of the books I read because I didn't fully read it. Um, But it was hot garbage. Let me <laughs> just put it that way. Uh... Never, never talking about that. Um, I'm making sure I read that this week. I did. Okay. That tells me where I am with my, uh, what I've read this week. I read A Court of Wings and Ruin. Or I finished A Court of Wings and Ruin. Uh, I gave it a 4.5. Well, no, let's be real. I bumped (laughs) it up to a 5. I really liked it. Although I did, I did put it on hold for a couple of days when I got to part three. I like I was like I need a I need a hot hot minute. Um so I put it on hold. But then I read it. I read the last 200 pages and I was like, "Bitch, why'd you wait?" Uh it was so good. Um it ends really well, you know? Like I could see her having been like, "This is the end." Like complete oh. the end, you know, not adding the next two books, like the novella and um the next one, which I know is about Nesta and Cass, mm-hmm. but it's I'm just, just mad that it's the end of Feyre and Reese's story because literally something happens in Silver Flames, and I'm like, how are you not gonna, gonna talk even, about it? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hmm. I mean, I'm sure what? they'll talk about it off to the side. No, they do, of. but like, I want to know their reactions and their thoughts. Mm. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's annoying. Maybe it'll be in the next novella. Didn't you say there was? Some novella she might be oh, writing. Oh, yeah. Who knows if that's true? I just saw that on Goodreads. Yeah. Days. Well, maybe it'll be there and it'll be, like, different scenes from them. Hopefully. I don't know. Uh, so I read I read A Court of Frost and Starlight yesterday because, you know, it was fucking short. Um, and, like, I only gave it three stars. Like, 3.5 is probably what I would have actually rated it as. But, like, I was just telling you before we started recording, um, when I read all those, like, uh, reviews, those yeah. one-star reviews... People were, like, going off about how they were over Reese and Farah, And I was like, uh, I'm not. I know. <laughs> I love Reese. Farah's Farah, But, like, I love Reese, So I was just like, shut the fuck up, bitches. And then I stopped reading it because I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> You're all annoying. Um, but between a Court of, what is it? Wings and Ruin. And, um, and, yes, that one. Thank you. I read Sunkissed by Cassie West, which just came out last week on the, what is it, what was last week? I don't know. The fourth, I think it came out. And 
Oh my god. Let me tell you. I was shooketh. I've read every Cassie West contemporary, like, YA romance, and I like them all. I do. Obviously, I wouldn't have read every single one of them if I didn't. But this one. This one. I almost gave it five stars. I was shook. I was shook. It was, like, it was weird, because it was based... Most of her stuff are based in, like, Orange County, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, here in California. And, like, she had one that was based, like, semi, like, if it was, like, up in, like, Big Bear kind of thing or Arrowhead. She had one based literally at the Santa Ana Zoo, um, which was wild because I knew somebody who used to work there. So, like, when it was talking about, like, the different, like, walking paths in that <laughs> one or, like... They were over at the barn, mucking out the barn. I was like, I've been there. I know that barn. I've been in that barn. I know those animals. Like, it was so weird. Um, But this one didn't give, like, an exact place. Like, they said she lived in Arcadia, and the main guy was from Pasadena. But they were all up at this camp, like, glamping camp for two... Well, she was there for two months with her family. He worked there. Yeah, right? He worked there. Also, no Wi-Fi, no phone service at all. Like, it was wild. I was like, I mean, I could do it. I I did 10 days of it in South Africa and actually loved it. But, like, it was still wild. Right? But they weren't, like, saying where this was. It just said it was, like, four or five hours from Pasadena or Arcadia. And I was like, okay, so it's not Big Bear, but this place was called, like, Bear Meadow or something. And I was like... <laughs> so Big Bear. <laughs> I was like, where the fuck is this, right? And there's a lake, and there's, like, a national park, and I'm like, so Big Bear. Um, but it but it wasn't Big Bear, because four hours, so it was more towards Northern California. Mammoth? That's too... See, Mammoth is, like, seven hours. Mm. I don't know. It was weird. I was sitting there the whole time trying to be like, where in California is this, like... Roughly, where is this description? Um, but it was cute. It was, like, there were, like, you know, a couple parts where it was fucking annoying. Like, the main character's little sister I wanted to backhand <laughs> um, a couple of times. But I really liked the main guy, Brooks. Chef's Kiss. Big fan. You know, musician. Right up my alley. Uh, it was great. It was a cute little contemporary. And it was a nice, like, reprieve between the books. Mm. Like, I needed, I needed that. Especially before I start this 751-page, uh, what is it? Court of Silver Flames. Mm-hmm. I need the break. So, those are what I read this week. I was actually surprised. I read four fucking books. Or yeah. finished four books. Like, this is so much. And I only gave one star to one. <laughs> but, yeah. What are you planning to read next what do you think? Because I know you. Knowing <laughs> you have so many I options. Know. Knowing that I didn't start Roanbreaker immediately, I'll probably read from Blood and Ash next. I could take a, another break <laughs> and listen to the audio while you read it. That way we can both talk about it next week. Mm. If you read it, you have to tell me if you're going to start it, like for sure. And then I'll start listening to the audiobook because I do have it. I've been saving it up. That's what I do. I've been saving, like, all my audiobooks for, like, when I go on the cruise. Mm. So I don't have to take a bunch of books. But I've been saving, like, my credits. But I'm also saving, like, some books. So I've downloaded, like, three. And I'm like, no, I'll listen to it later. I'll listen to it later. But this cruise keeps getting pushed off. And I have five credits saved (laughs) up. So, like, I can listen to this book and be fine. So what books are you looking forward to coming out? What is your list? And then we'll talk about what they're about. 
Just tell me your full list. Okay. Your full nine. This is going in order. Oh, shit. Mine aren't in order. Mine are just going to be sporadic. Oh. Mine are just in order. Not of, like, what I'm most excited for. It's just in order of when they come Release out. date. Yeah, yeah, no. Mine are all out of order. Uh, Mayflies by Andrew O'Hagan? May 18th. That one. This is the description. You want to just go, I'll read one, then you read one? Or do you want to? Oh, sure. Okay. Let me just, give me one second to pull mine up on my phone so that I can easily get to them. All right. So this one is, says, let me actually see this. From the widely renowned author Andrew Hagen, a heartbreaking novel of an extraordinary lifelong friendship. Everyone has a Tully Dawson, the friend who defines your life. In the summer of 1986 in a small Scottish town, James and Tully ignited brilliant friendship based on music, films, and the rebel spirit. With school over and the locked world of their fathers before them, they rushed towards the climax of their youth. A magical weekend in Manchester, the epicenter of everything that inspires them in the working-class Britain. There, against the greatest soundtrack ever recorded, what is that? A vow is made to go at life differently. Thirty years on, half a life away, the phone rings. Tully has news. Mayflies is a memorial to use euphorias and to everyday tragedy a tender goodbye to an old union that discovers the joy and cost of love interesting um we all know what the uh best soundtrack of life is mamma mia <laughs> <laughs> i doubt I gonna be these two boys are gonna be listening to abba i love that we both went abba mamma mia <laughs> i know we know us too well all right, so one of mine, it comes out August 3rd. It's called The Woods Are Always Watching by Stephanie Perkins. She wrote uh, uh, Anna and the French Kiss. So this one is her second of her contemporary horror novels. And it says, let me see. It says, a traditional backwoods horror story set first page to last in the woods of the Pisca National Forest in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Two girls go backpacking in the woods, things go very wrong, and then their paths collide with a serial killer. You know, very short description, but I'm about it. I'm a, I'm about it because it gives that little mystery, like you're like, ah oh, shit, a serial killer. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, but what kind? Like, <laughs> tell me more. <coughs> My next one is Love by Roddy Doyle. It comes out in paperback June 22nd. It's already been out for like a year. But I just didn't want to pay like twenty bucks. A mood for a small ass hardback. Um, this one says two old friends reconnect in Dublin for a dramatic, revealing evening of drinking and storytelling in this winning new novel from the author of the Booker Prize winning Patty Clark Ha 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 Davy. What? <laughs> uh, Davy and Joe were drinking pals back in their Dublin youth. Davy rarely sees Joe for a pint anymore. Maybe one or two when Davy comes over from England to check on his elderly father. But tonight, Davy's father is dying in the hospice, and Joe has a secret that will lead the two on a bender back to the haunts of their youth. Joe had left his wife and family a year earlier for another woman, Jessica. Davy knows her too, or or should. She was the girl of their dreams four decades earlier, the girl with the cello in George's pub. As Joe's story unfolds across Dublin, pint after pint, pub after pub, so too do the memories of what eventually drove Davy from Ireland. The upheaval that they, his feisty, profane wife, would bring into his life, his father's somber disapproval, the pained spaces left behind when a parent dies, 
as much a hymn to the Dublin of old as a delightfully comic yet moving portrait of what it means to try to put into words the many forms that love can take. Hmm. You in Dublin, I swear to God. <laughs> and me and old guys that drink. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what your ish is. <laughs> Alright, the next book that is on my list is Redemptor by Jordan Jordan Ifuko. If I mess that up, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to mess up half of these names. I already know it. So this is the second in the Ray Bear series. You read that? I read the first one last is year. Is that the head? No, that's the... <laughs> that's, these black ones that's the gilded ones. <laughs> that's the gilded ones. No, no. Redemptor was the first one I read where I said I hated the cover of the book because it was fucking ugly. Because um, it is. Uh, but it was like a weird fantasy Pangea of the world and like she her mother wants her to go kill the prince... Uh, and has been, like, raising her to kill the prince her whole life. But, like, then she becomes part of his inner circle and is like, haha, fuck you to the mom. So this is the second one. It says, the the hotly anticipated sequel of the instant New York Times best-selling YA fantasy about, I'm going to mess up this girl's name, but it's Teresai's, Teresai, I don't know. Teresai's quest to change her fate for the first time. An empress redemptor sits on Eris, er, oh my god, I forgot how bad these words were for me to pronounce. <laughs> Eritsar's throne. To appease the sinister spirits of the dead, Teresai must now anoint a council of her own, coming into her full power as a ray bearer. She must then descend into the underworld, a sacrifice to end all future atrocities. Teresai is determined to survive, or at least that's what she tells her increasingly distant circle of friends. Months into her shaky reign as empress, child spirits haunt her, demanding that she pay for past sins of the empire. With the lives of her loved ones on the line, assassination attempts from unknown quarters, and a handsome new stranger she can't quite trust, Teresai fears the pressure may may consume her. But in this uh, finale to the Ray Bear duology, Teresai must learn whether to die for justice or to live for it. I'm actually really happy that it's uh, only a duology because I feel like if this was dragged out even longer, <laughs> it wouldn't be good. Because I think I gave the first book five stars. It was like, I was shook at how good it was. I got it in one of my book boxes and I was like, damn, damn. So I'm like really excited for the second one. But at the same time, I'm like, don't suck. Please don't <laughs> suck. I might even reread the first one to remember what happens because I don't, I don't know if I'm going to remember everything. So my next one is What We Devour, July 6th, by Lindsay Miller. I think I sent you this description the other day. From the author of Mask of Shadows comes a dark and intricate story of a girl who must tether herself to a violent ruler to save her crumbling world. Lorena Alder Adler has a secret. She holds the power of the banished gods, the noble and the vile inside her. She has spent her entire life hiding from the world and her past. She's She's content to spend her days as an undertaker in a small town, marry her best friend Julian, and live an unfulfilling life so long as no one uncovers her true nature. But when the notoriously bloodthirsty and equal, equally vile crown prince comes to arrest Julian's father, he immediately recognizes Lorena for what she is. So she makes a deal, a fair trial for her betrothed's father in exchange for her service to the crown. The prince is desperate for her help. He's spent years trying to repair the weakening door that holds back the vial, and he's losing the battle. As Lorena learns more about the door and the horrifying price it takes to keep it closed, she'll have to embrace both parts of her to survive. Uh, yeah. Vile is a weird way. I always, like, when I read it, when you sent it to me, I was like, did they just fuck up and write vile instead of veil? Because, like... 
it just seemed weird because like i understand like holding back the veil of something but like the vial i'm confused seems like the name of the evil i mean yeah (laughs) but it just like it threw me off at first when i read it but yeah that one did sound interesting um my next one is probably one i'm gonna read soon depending on how long it takes me to read (laughs) silver flames it's another contemporary it's take me home tonight by morgan mattson and it came out uh, May 4th. It came out the same day as Sunkissed by Cassie West. And I bought them both immediately. I was like, need, give me. Um, so this one, it says is, Ferris Bueller's Day Off meets Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist in this romp through the city that never sleeps from the New York Times bestselling author of Since You've Been Gone, Morgan Matson. Two girls, one night, zero phones. Kat and Stevie, best friends, theater kids, polar opposites, have snuck away from the suburbs to spend a night in New York City. They have it all planned out. They'll see a play, eat at the city's hottest restaurant, and have the best night ever. What could go wrong? Well, kind of a lot. (laughs) (laughs) They're basically off the train. I'm sorry. They're barely off the train before they're dealing with um, destroyed phones, family drama, and unexpected Pomeranians. Over the next few hours, they'll have to grapple with old flames, terrible theater, and unhelpful cab drivers. But there are also cute boys to kiss, parties to crash, dry cleaning to deliver, don't ask, and the world's best museum to explore. I mean, if they're talking about the MoMA or the Met, uh, same. Um, over the course of a wild night in the city that never sleeps, both Kat and Stevie will get a wake-up call about their friendship, their choices, and finally discover what they really want for their future. That is, assuming, they can make it to Grand Central Station before the clock strikes midnight. Right? It's interesting to me. I don't know how I fully feel because I really liked a lot of her other books except, uh... Amy and Rogers, whatever it's called, like Great Detour or something. Uh, it was that one was mediocre at best. So I'm like, if this sucks, I'm gonna be mad because all her rest have been pretty good. We'll see. Next is one of my most anticipated for this year is Empire of the Vampire. Uh, comes out September 14th by Jay Kristoff, and it says, "From Holy Cup comes Holy Light. The faithful hand sets." world alight and in the seven martyrs sight jesus christ this is gonna be the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) and in the seven martyrs sight mere man shall end this endless night it has been 27 long years since the last sunrise for nearly nearly three decades vampires have waged war against humanity building their internal eternal empire even as they tear down our own now only a few tiny sparks of light endure in a sea of darkness Gabriel de Leon is a silver saint, a member of a holy brotherhood dedicated to defending Rome and church from the creatures of the night. But when the silver order couldn't stem the tide once daylight failed us, and now only Gabriel remains, imprisoned by the very monsters he vowed to destroy, the last silver saint is forced to tell his story, the story of legendary battles and forbidden love, of faith lost and friendships won, of the wars of the blood and the forever king, and the quest for humanity's last remaining hope, the holy grail. Uh, yeah. And apparently it has illustrated pages inside the book. This is a book you've been talking about for fucking ever and I need (laughs) I need it to come out so you can read it and stop. I know. (laughs) I hope it's good. Because that'll be so annoying if it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Really? It's so fucking hype. For exactly how much you want to read it. Oh, that'd be suckish. Which is ironic because 
The next book I have on my list is the book that I am most anticipated for for the rest of this year that I have already pre-ordered. I need it. I need it. I pre-ordered it the day it came out for pre-order. Is uh, Kingdom of the Cursed by Carrie Maniscalco, which is the second to the Kingdom of the Wicked uh, series. So in the first one, it's basically about these twin sisters and one of them gets killed. And then the other one makes a deal with one of the seven... Uh, princes of hell which are the seven deadly sins she makes a deal with wrath let me just say (laughs) we love wrath um but the description is uh from the new york times number one best-selling author of stalking jack the ripper uh my favorite series of all time carrie maniscalco comes the sizzling sweepingly romantic sequel to kingdom of the wicked one sister two sinful princes infinite deception with the side of revenge welcome to hell (laughs) After selling her soul to become Queen of the Wicked, Amelia travels to the Seven Circles with the enigmatic Prince of Wrath, where she's introduced to a seductive world of vice. She vows to do whatever it takes to avenge her beloved sister Vittoria, even if that means accepting the hand of the Prince of Pride, the King of Demons. The first rule in the Court of the Wicked? Trust no one. With backstabbing princes, luxurious palaces, mysterious party invitations, and conflicting clues about who really killed her twin, Amelia finds herself more alone than ever before. Can she even trust Wrath, her one-time ally in the mortal world, or is he keeping dangerous secrets about his true nature? Amelia will be tested in every way as she seeks a series of magical objects that will unlock the clues of her past and the answer she craves. And let me tell you, Carrie Maniscalco has already said that this is her spiciest book she's ever written. <laughs> and I'm so excited. And I swear to God, the spice better be between Amelia and Wrath. Because if it's between Amelia and Pride, I'm going to be pissed because Pride is an asshole. But I'm so excited. It comes out October 26th. And I need it right now. Like, right now. <laughs> minus the fact that the cover is atrocious. Yeah. My next one is The House on Needless Street. It comes out September 20, 28th by Katrina Ward. And this one says, this is a story of a serial killer, a stolen child, revenge, death, and an ordinary house at the end of an ordinary street. All these things are true, and yet, there are, and yet they are all lies. You think you know what's inside the last house on Needless Street. You think you've read this story before. That's where you're wrong. In the dark forest at the end of, the, at the end of Needless Street lies something buried, but it's not what you think. I think you sent me that description, because that sounded really familiar as you started reading it, and that does sound good. I'm intrigued. When does that come out? Uh, September 28th. Mm, not too far away. Mm-mm. It's not bad. My next one is Luck of the Titanic by Stacy Lee. And it's actually my May subscription box uh, book. I'm really excited. Because first off, Titanic. Hello. Mm, <laughs> I love historical fiction. Also, I love the Titanic. Uh, very interesting to me. So that one comes out. Um... That book box better ship soon, I swear to God, because my April one just shipped two days ago, and I'm already mad that it hasn't, like, actually gotten here, because it should have shipped, like, three weeks ago. So, this says, from the critically acclaimed author of The Downstairs Girls, which I've heard is a really good historical fiction, comes the richly imagined story of Valora and Jamie Luck. Twin British Chinese acrobats traveling aboard the Titanic on its ill-fated maiden voyage. Southampton, which is where my cruise line is based out of when I get my job finally. When I get my job to go, finally. Southampton, 1912. 17-year-old British Chinese Valora Luck has quit her job and smuggled herself aboard the Titanic with two goals in mind. To reunite with her twin brother Jamie, 
her only family now that both their parents are dead, and to convince a part-time owner of the Ringling Brothers Circus to take the twins on as acrobats. Quick-thinking Val talks her way into opulent first-class accommodations and finds Jamie with a group of fellow Chinese laborers in third class. But in the rigidly stratified world of the luxury liner, Val's ruse can only last so long, and after two long years apart, it's unclear if Jamie even wants the life Val proposes. Then, one moonless night in the North Atlantic, the unthinkable happens. The supposedly unsinkable ship is dealt a fatal blow, and Val and her companions suddenly find themselves in a race to survive. Stacey Lee, master of historical fiction, brings a fresh a fresh perspective to an infamous tragedy loosely inspired by the recently uncovered account of six titanic survivors of chinese descent hmm. i'm intrigued it also gives me um a lot of the third stalking jack the ripper book the escaping houdini vibe because that is literally about them taking a cruise ship from southampton to new york with a traveling circus so I'm like, mm, what the fuck's happening? Um, were they on the Titanic? <laughs> they were not. They made it. It didn't sink. Although that would have been a really interesting story if they had put a murder on the Titanic <laughs> as well. I would have been like, yes, Carrie Maniscalco. But alas, it was not. So I missed one. Poison for Breakfast by Lemony Snicket comes out August 31st. And this one says... With his latest book, A Love Letter to Readers Young and Old, about the vagaries of real life longtime fans and new readers alike will experience snicket's distinctive voice in a new way this story as true as lemony snicket himself <laughs> begins with a puzzling note under his door you had poison for breakfast following a winding a <laughs> following a winding trails of a trail of clues to solve the mystery of his own demise snicket takes us on a thought-provoking tour of his predi- pred- predilections <laughs> proper way to prepare an egg a, perpe- a perplexing idea called tim tism this is a little t-z-i-m t-z-u-m tisdom i don't fucking Tis- know yeah the sublime pleasure of swimming in open water and much else poison for breakfast is a classic in the making that is a that in the great tradition of modern fables like the little prince and the Phantom Toll Booth will delight re- readers of all ages. So basically, this I have no idea what this is about. Yeah. Um, also, a comparison to the Little Prince uh, <laughs> threw me off. Because what? Also, is that your last one? Because I think I have two left. No, this is I skipped. Oh, you skipped one. Yeah. Gotcha. I was like, I think I have two left. I'm confused. Um, actually, I think I have three left. Yeah, I have. Um, but that one, interesting. Not that I've ever read a Lemony Sn- Snicket? You've never read that? I've never. Oh my gosh. So like, we've had this discussion before, like, I was reading at a high school level when I was in elementary I mean, school. So that, they were still good. I know, but I skipped all middle grade. That's why I didn't read Harry Potter. I couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. I think the only middle grade book I can literally think of that I read two, three, one, because I had to read them. One was a biography called The Chinese Cinderella, um, which was like a historical uh, biography or autobiography. I don't remember. Um, the Dust Bowl one that's written in poetry. It's like, um, we had to read it for school. It was like the, I don't know. It, it's a middle grade book. And, um, one I had to do for a book report, it was like, who is Amelia Earhart? But it wasn't the Amelia Earhart one. It was, who is Abraham Lincoln or something? 
Um, those are the only middle grade books I ever read. Uh, and I've tried to go back and read middle grade. You know I have. I tried. I read Harry Potter like we talked about last week or mm-hmm. whatever. I just can't. And I never could. I don't know what it was. So I would. I wish I had because like I wish I had read like, you know, Percy Jackson like at the beginning because it, it feels middle grade to me. Um, or Lemony Snicket. Like I'm intrigued, but I never read them. They weren't my thing. And my elementary school was like, nah, bitch. And then when I was in middle school, I was already reading high school books. So I was like, "Mm, fuck it. My next book is Daughter of Sparta by Claire M. Andrews. It comes out June 8th. It is my June book box book. I'm very excited. The hint was literally given out today. And I looked up to find out what it was because I was intrigued. Listen to this. Okay. Because I feel like you might like this. I read the description and was like, eh. You're weak. Okay, well, I'm excited. So here's the description. It says, Sparta forged her into a deadly weapon. Now the gods need her to save the world. 17-year-old Daphne has spent her entire life honing her body and mind into that of a warrior, hoping to be accepted by the unyielding people of ancient Sparta. But an unexpected encounter with the goddess Artemis, who holds Daphne's brother's fate in her hands, upends the life she's worked so hard to build. Nine mysterious items have been stolen from Mount Olympus, and if Daphne cannot find them, the gods' waning power will fade away. The mortal world will descend into chaos, and her brother's life will be forfeit. Guided by Artemis's twin... Jesus Christ. Guard... Guided by Artemis's twin, the handsome, entirely too self-assured god Apollo, Daphne's journey will take her from the labyrinth of the Minotaur to the riddle-spinning sphinx of the- uh, Theseus. Jesus Christ, of Thebes. T- uh, team her up with mythological legends such as Theseus and Hippolyta of the Amazons and pit her against the gods themselves. A reinterpretation of the classic Greek myth, myth of Daphne and Apollo, daughter of Sparta, by debut author Claire Andrews turns the traditionally male-dominated mythology we know into a heart-pounding and empowering female-led adventure. I'm just saying. I love a good bad bitch, so... The next one is Heart of the Impaler by Alexander Delacroix. Comes out December 27th. And it says, In this dark historical YA debut, two young men, one scarred and dutiful, the other wickedly magnetic, fall for the same young woman. But is it safe for her to love either of them back? Uh, Iona Kazaki has no desire to marry the Voivode's eldest son, but love and marriage are the least of her worries. The royal family's enemies have already tried to put an arrow through her back, and if anyone discovers her blossoming feelings for her betrothed, her betrothed cousin... And Andre, Andre, and younger brother Vlad, she may just wish they'd succeed. Beneath the shadow of impending war, the only battle that will be deadlier than the one for Iona's life will be the one for her heart. Alexander Delacroix's tar- darkly romantic debut is perfect for fans of Kirsten White's And I Darken and Emily A. Duncan's Wicked Saints. Oh yeah, you sent me that one because I remember reading at the end when it said Wicked Saints and I was like... Uh, interesting. Hmm. I liked Wicked Saints a lot. It was just a <laughs> pain in the ass to get through because of the words. Mm. So hopefully that's not the same for this one. Because it sounds interesting. I, when you read it, I want to know if it's good because let's be real. It'll probably get added to my list. My next one is the second in the Inheritance Games series. It's called The Hawthorne Legacy by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. 
Uh, the first one was fantastic. Very Knives Out, which it was cool. Um, this one, the second one, it says, Intrigue, riches, and romance around abound in this thrilling sequel to the New York Times. Why are all of these New York Times bestselling? I feel like this is a lie. <laughs> Uh, I feel like New York Times bestselling is a lie. Actually, I've heard from people who work in publishing that it's bullshit. Probably. That list is bullshit. Um, so anyways, from this New York Times bestselling, The Inheritance Games, perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson, The Inheritance Games ended with a bombshell. And now heiress Avery Grahams has to pick up the pieces and find the man who will hold the answers to all of her questions, including why Tobias Hawthorne left his entire fortune to Avery, a virtual stranger, rather than his own daughters or grandsons. Thanks to a DNA test, Avery knows that she's not a Hawthorne by blood, but clues pile up hinting at a deeper connection to the family than she had ever imagined. As the mystery grows and the plot thickens, Grayson and Jameson... The enigmatic and magne- uh, magnetic Hawthorne grandsons continue to pull Avery in different directions, and there are threats lurking around every corner. As adversaries emerge, who will stop at nothing to see Avery out of the picture by any means necessary? With nonstop action, it, uh, aspirational jet setting, family intrigue, swoonworthy romance, and billions of dollars hanging in the balance, the Hawthorne legacy will thrill Jennifer Lynn Barnes fans and new readers alike. I'm excited. <laughs> Because I thought the book was way better than Knives Out. And Knives Out was good, you know? Mm-hmm. But the book is like a YA version of Knives Out. And it was <laughs> fucking wild. Which was so funny because at first I was like, this is kind of boring. Because it was almost the exact same as Knives Out. But then I was like, but. <laughs> but. And we like Jameson. He is a shit show and we love him. And Grayson is an asshole and we love him too. It's intriguing. So my next one is probably my most anticipated of ever all, all of these <laughs> of ever. Um, it's To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara, and it comes out January eleventh. And it says a bold, brilliant novel spanning three centuries and three different versions of the American experiment about lovers, family loss, and the elusive promise of utopia in an alternate version of. 1893 America, New York is a New York is part of the free states where people may live and love whomever they please, or so it seems. The fragile young scion of a distinguished family resists betrothal to a worthy suitor drawn to a charming music teacher of no means. In a 1993 Manhattan, besie- Manhattan besieged by the AIDS epidemic, a young Hawaiian man lives with his much older, wealthier partner, hiding his troubled childhood and the fate of his father. And in 2093, in a world riven by plagues and governed by totalitarian rule a powerful scientist damaged granddaughter tries to navigate life without him and solve the mystery of her husband's disappearances these three sections are joined in an enthralling and ingenious symphony as recurring notes and themes deepen and enrich one another a townhouse in washington square park in greenwich village illness and treatments that come at a terrible cost wealth and squalor the weak and the strong race the de- definition of family and nationhood, the dangerous righteousness of the powerful and of revolutionaries, the longing to find a place in an earthly paradise, and the gradual realization that it can exist. What unites not just the characters but these Americas are their reckonings with the qualities to make us human. Fear, love, shame, need, loneliness, to paradise is a... Whatever, whatever that fucking means. Fendi... 
something? <laughs> novel of marvelous literary effect, but above all, it is a work of emotional genius. The great power of this remarkable novel is driven by Yanagahara's understanding of the aching desire to protect those we love. Partners, lovers, children, friends, family, and even our own fellow citizens. And the pain that ensures... Or the, and the pain that ensues when we cannot. Sounds fucking weird and wild. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, let's just hope you're not hyping it too much and I it know. doesn't let you down. That would suck. Because I know you've been all about this book since you heard about it. Fingers crossed for you. It does not sound up my alley. It sounds... I, was, I think I lost track of what you said after you said <laughs> Green Witch, which... Greenwich, but I was like, what? There was a lot happening in that description, but I hope it's good for you, because you are hyped about it. Yeah. You constantly are like, I need... At least it comes out in January, and you know the date, unlike this book that I am excited about. I don't know when it releases. It releases early January 2022, and there's not a title for it, but it is the new historical novel by Rudis Petty's, uh, set in Romania... And this is going to be a shit show for me to try and read because some of these words I will not be able to pronounce. So she sent this email to people who are on her uh, email list. So it hasn't like even been updated on Goodreads, which is wild because this email went out a while ago. But her new historical um, novel, it says, My forthcoming uh, novel is set in Romania and chronicles the harrowing history of millions of innocent Romanians who suffered under the... Yeah, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. Kyosikyu? I'm sure. Regime. The book will be released in early 2022 and will soon be available for pre-order. I wish they would say that and give me a title and a cover reveal, but that is still coming. But it says, Romania, 1989. Communist regimes are crumbling across Europe. Romania remains one of the last rings holding the Iron Curtain. Amidst the grip of a maniacal dictatorship, 17-year-old Christian Floresco... Yeah, is blackmailed by the secret police to become an informer. He's left with only two choices, betray everyone and everything he loves or use his position to creatively undermine the most notoriously evil regime in the Eastern Bloc. I'm excited. It sounds like there's going to be some spy shit and I'm all about that. But I don't know when it releases and it makes me very sad because I would really like it to be out right now. (laughs) Because I've already been waiting, like, two plus years for a new Ruta Svetis. Because our last one came out in, like, November of 2019. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need it now. My last one is, uh, what the hell is this called? I just, I deleted it on accident. <laughs> it's Crescent City 2. And I think it comes out January 25th. I don't know if that's official. Um, I think it's called House of... House of Sky and Breath. What a name. What's it about? I can't say the description because it'll give away what happens in the first one. You're lame. Fine. My last one is Where the Drowned Girls Go by Shanann McGuire. And it comes out January 4th. And I'm so excited because I've already been waiting an entire year for her next book. And the last book was kind of like, whatever, because it was like the hooflands um but this one says welcome to the whitehorn institute the first step is always admitting you need help and you've already taken that step by requesting 
a transfer into our company. There is another school for children who fall through doors and fall back out again. This isn't as friendly as Eleanor West's home for wayward children, and it isn't as safe. When Eleanor West decided to open her school, her sanctuary, her home for wayward children, she knew from the beginning that there would be children she couldn't save. When Cora decides she needs a different direction, a different fate, a different prophecy, Miss West reluctantly agrees to transfer her to the other school, where things are run very differently by White, by Whitethorn, the headmaster. So, uh, she will soon discover that not all doors are welcoming. Uh, I'm excited. I can't wait. I really need you to read the first fucking book so I can talk about it more. But those are my nine. Two for next year. Seven for this year. I mean, let's be real. There's going to be more that I find that I'm going to be excited for. But these are the ones that I've been thinking about lately. Two because they're book box ones that I know I'm getting. But the rest I'm like, give me... I'm so excited for the Carrie Maniscalco book. <laughs> I need it to be October. Uh, same. Oh, that in my pre-order box that I ordered for June for the Bridgerton series from my book box club thing. Mostly because I just want to see how pretty they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, not that those books didn't come out in like 1998. <laughs> but yeah, those are what we're looking forward to. What else bookish have you, uh, you've been looking at a lot of books lately? You've been buying a lot of books lately? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Give me a fucking break, yes. I've had really. two recently. Recently? Recently? Like two weeks ago, you bought like six when you bought all the Akatar books. <laughs> so don't even recently me. Not that I'm saying I didn't, because I did, <laughs> but that's besides the point. You know what book you didn't put on your list or talk about? I don't know how excited you are for it, but I Only Arc um, is Maidens. When I read the back of that, I was like, yo, I'm intrigued. So, I am intrigued. Ugh. I love the book box things. Those are so fun. (gasps) Exciting news. I get to put one in on my street. I already told you. I have to make one. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to build it brand new or find a cabinet to turn into one or what. But I need to do it soon because I want to get it up because I am so excited. But I can't believe the neighbor who I've only ever talked to once when I asked her if I could do this said yes. (laughs) I said, hi, I'm Amanda. My dad lives, or you know my dad, you've met him. Uh, And can I put one of these in? And she said, yes, please. And I was like, (laughs) oh, love it. So, so excited. I wish there were more around here, like more good ones, you know? I went, I didn't look in the box, but when I was really mad on Tuesday and I was driving around, I went by one of the ones up off of like Bryant or whatever. You remember the one that I always was like, I don't know where I'm supposed to turn here and it's like a weird street. Mm. Um, Shit, I just cut my finger. Um, I went by that one, but somebody was outside and I felt really awkward because I was like in a bad mood and everything. So I was like, (laughs) fuck, I'm not going to go to it. But I love going to them. They're fun. I like seeing what's (laughs) around. I really want the chick who works in publishing Mm. to switch her supply. Yeah, she needs to put good shit in there. I really want her to be out when we go by another time so we can be like, can you switch your supply? Because this this stack sucks. Also, tell us how you get arcs. (laughs) I looked up how to get arcs. And, you know, there's potential for us to get arcs now that we have a podcast might be able to 
shit, I might be able to uh, apply to get my book boxes for free from my com- from the company that I get them from because they have a be a VIP person, whatever. Oh my god, oh my god. Okay, so when book tube started, it wasn't like like started being a thing. It wasn't big enough originally to be at like VidCon or anything when mm-hmm. I went. And then I think it was my second, my second year there, I was volunteering and I met this girl, Kathy, who, I don't know, I don't know what it is about VidCon for volunteering, but like, I met all these great people, but then at the same time, now that I think back on some of these people who I'm still friends with on like Facebook, I'm like, fucking hate you. Because they annoy the shit off out of me and I'm like why why do I like you but then they're like the ones who I was like really chill with that I'm like I miss you but mm, she was one of the why was I befriend why did I befriend you (laughs) ones right but I just saw her post she got the adult book box for free with a like they messaged her and were like because she makes YouTube videos for booktube she was like in charge of booktube um stuff at vidcon for the second year that i was there like she was like we set up a panel for booktube and we all this and i was like where the fuck did this come from like because it wasn't a thing the first year i went but she this morning i saw it this morning she had a picture of the the adult book box because it's adult or ya and i always get the ya one but she had it set up like in the sun and took a picture of it and then had a thing and was like they reached out to me to be a promoter for their company, and I'm like, can they reach out to me? I already get their book box. Like, hook a sister up. <laughs> you know, give me at least a couple of months free so I don't have to constantly pay 40-something dollars. Jesus. But you know what? Fucking worth it. I have gotten basically, like, an entire kitchen worth of, <laughs> of supplies from different books. So random. I got a spatula. I got an egg timer. I got some measuring cups. I got, uh, like, I don't know, like, five cups. I got a mug. Oh, my God. The mug is my favorite. It's beautiful. I refuse to use it until I have my own place. But it came with a hot chocolate recipe. A royal hot chocolate recipe. Ugh. I love book boxes. I don't know. I want to like book of the month, but nothing about it interests me. Really? Because they have a lot of YA crap. Which is funny because I've never seen anything good. Or anything that I'm like, yes. Except Ninth House. When Ninth House was on there, or I mean technically it still is, but when it first came out and it was like one of the week picks or month picks, I mean, I was like, "Mm, okay. Yeah. So my um from Blood and Ash now says five to nine and I'm like I told you it was gonna change. It's a bird. I was like, it looked like a mouse for a minute. Oh <laughs> Oh my god, no. Tig Tigger was out here um earlier this week and I don't know what plant he ate, but he brought it in the house and at first I thought it was a hummingbird. <laughs> I thought it was a hummingbird tail. Because it was sticking out of his mouth. And he did that before when we lived over at the other house. 
he brought in a hummingbird into the house and he i like scared him to drop it because i thought it was dead he let it go and it was fucking still alive and i was so scared that this was gonna be another hummingbird situation because <laughs> that was a nightmare um no he just threw up some leaves or something i don't know what it was it was a big long leaf it might have been um we have somewhere down here uh catnip so it might have been catnip but i was just like bruh can you not because then i had to clean it up and then he puked puked he spit up on the carpet too and i was like can you not this is my cat by the way (laughs) i just realized this was still recording this is my cat the cat is has been a nightmare this week I love him, but he's been a shit show. But yeah, I thought he brought a hummingbird in, and I was like, dear God. <laughs> oh my God, no, We when we lived at the other house, he had a mouse toy that was a, like, remote control mouse, so I could, like, run it around. Well, one day, I don't know if I was just, like, really tired or what, but I was like, it was leaning on its side in front of the TV, and I thought it was a real mouse, and I almost <laughs> freaked the fuck out like I was like (gasps) and then I walked over and I went oh you're the toy (laughs) but I was so and it was right after the hummingbird incident so I was just like no Uh, Lucifer keeps killing animals and leaving them in the the front yard I was like who the fuck is Lucifer (laughs) Emily's cat yeah that's funny he keeps killing birds yikes no Oh my god, when I lived in Anaheim, and we had Banjo, as well as Tigger, right, it was right before we moved. I don't know, we had this big plant in front of, like, uh, Kyle's window, which was kind of like a bay window, similar to, like, this, like a big window. Um, but it was this big-ass plant that covered it. And Banjo was outside, and he was sitting under it, and there were crows on the lawn. And it was dark. It was, like, 730 but it wasn't like summer, it was like going into winter, so it was it was pretty dark at the time. And I was coming down the driveway, I think I was going to my friends uh, around the corner, and I was walking, and all of a sudden, I watched this happen, and I was appalled. <laughs> Banjo jumped out of the tree, and just straight into this crow, like with teeth and claws and everything, and ripped it apart. Like it was almost an explosion of fucking like feathers. Cause this thing like had started to take <laughs> off as it leaped, and it was just like explosion. And then he looked at me and it just was like blood dripping down his face. And I was like, Pet <laughs> Cemetery? I was like, Banjo, you're fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, it was crazy. And then the next morning, it was all over the yard. And I was just like, Ew. But that cat was the smartest cat I've ever seen. Like, that cat used to follow me. Like, our neighborhood was really big. But that cat used to follow me to my friend Ellie's house. And I would get there. I would get to her street. And I'd look at Banjo. And I'd be like, go home. And I would come back about a half hour later with Ellie. Because I would, like, walk to her house to pick her up. And, like, she'd walk back to mine with me. And we got back. And he would just be sitting at the door waiting for me. And this happened all the time. Like, he would follow me everywhere. I'd be like, Banjo, you want to go somewhere? And he would just follow me. And I'd be like, fucking smart ass cat, right? This cat was brilliant. I fucking loved him. Except he knew we were moving. He knew. And then he hid for days. So we never found him. So he wouldn't, he didn't come with us. Otherwise, I I would have had two cats. And you would have met Banjo. And you would have been like, damn, that cat's smart. And then you would have looked at Tigger and been like, damn, that cat's dumb. (laughs) Which is so sad. (laughs) Because Tigger's smart. He's just fucking ridiculous. Oh, man, but Banjo was cool. 
he has a cool cat. Um, but oh god, I still see that. I see that jump all the time <laughs> in my mind. And I'm just like, god damn. Like, it is very lion jump. Is it still going? Because it cuts off. No, it doesn't. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, nine minutes. But, whew, Bando, I tell you. Also, great name. I almost named Tigger Keyboard when I first got him, so that I'd have Banjo and Keyboard. But uh, then his stripes didn't look the way it was supposed... The way it looked like it was going to look like when he was a little kitten, so... So then I was unoriginal and I called him Tigger. Because I was like, I don't want to sit here and think about it. Uh, love that cat. Dumbass, but love him. This guy asked me why why did I name Levi Levi, and I was like, I don't know, it sounded nice. <laughs> A mood. I wanted to name him Merlin, but nobody else liked that. <laughs> now that I know, now Levi. that I know him as Levi, Levi fits so well, but Merlin would have been cute. I wanted to name him Hank. No. No one liked that either. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Terrible. I think I vetoed that My too. Mom, like, weird ass fucking names like Douglas <laughs> and there was another one that was bad I was like what the I hell? really hate when people name animals like human names uh, we, it's every so animal weird. we've ever had well animal dog has been a human name that's so weird Malou is not a human name well that we didn't name him oh that's true he came to us named the god Tyler Roger and Levi what you're the whitest family <laughs> Ours are always funny. Like, I had a um, Russian land tortoise, and we named him Speed Bump. <laughs> I had a hamster um, that was, like, a golden color, and we named him Honey Baked Hamster. Had a hamster named her Katie. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mine was Honey Baked Hamster. <laughs> um, I named my fish Blooster. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he lived for like 10 years. He's a beta fish. Nice. Ooh, our beta fish at school is the only one is the only one that had a human name, but it was so long and funny that it worked. Um for my it needs to be weird. Um but it was oh shit. Walter Tiberius <laughs> von Fuffenheimer <laughs> the 6th. <laughs> And you know what was great? We got Walter before I went to South Africa. So even though my roommates knew I didn't have cell service and I probably wouldn't have internet service to get their Snapchats, they would send me updates on Walter and they'd be like, he's awake this morning. And it was like 5 a.m. And I'd be like, I fucking hope so. <laughs> he's not dead yet. He lived our entire year. It was great. I loved him. He was such a cutie. Um, he was a beta fish. He was red. And Amanda took him when uh the end of the year came i don't know why steph didn't because it was all of steph's like tank and stuff and everything like she bought him uh, amanda took him steph didn't want him which was wild because all of us were like no we need walter somebody needs to take care of walter i couldn't i was driving back to the west coast like that wasn't happening uh and then he died like two months later which i don't think was amanda's fault because sh- her brother has like a huge like tank of exotic fish so it's not like they don't know how to take care of fish uh, i think he got sick i think part of the drive like probably fucked him up but walter tiberius von <laughs> Fuffenheimer the six i loved him it's such a good name 
Uh, we had, when I was really little, we had two dogs. We had a mutt named Gizmo. Oh, we had a, a, this was before Roger, when I was like. Is that the dog you listened to die? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I remember, I never remembered its name, but I remembered what it looked like. This was like when I still lived in my old house. And he was a chocolate lab, but we had to get rid of him because he was so bad and my mom was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, but we named him Colby. <laughs> Colby's not the worst. Uh, we named, I named bad, him because that was when, like, Survivor had just come out, and I used to love that show. My favorite mm. contestant was named Colby, so That's we funny. named him that. <laughs> Before I was born, uh, my brothers had a dog, and... And he's hot now. Like, that contestant... <laughs> Let me pull up a picture. He's, like, my type of hot. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, my brothers had a dog, and it, Steven named him, and it was Clark, right? You know, so normal name, you know, human name, but it was Clark in the Dark in the Park from Dr. Seuss. <laughs> like, that was his whole name, was Clark in the Dark. Uh, he was hot on Survivor. And then, let's see. Then we had, when I was little, we had two dogs. We had a mutt named Gizmo, you know, like the gremlins. And then we had a Dalmatian named Wingnut. We have Wingnut and Gizmo. My grandparents had a, a golden retriever named Rusty. Oh my god, Rusty was great. And then we have Banjo, and then Tigger is the most basic name. That guy is right up your alley. Also, he <laughs> looks kind of familiar. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Kyle had a had a python. You. Yeah, that same. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> Uh, if, my, if I have kids and they don't want to, and they want a snake, I'm gonna say absolutely fucking not, <laughs> dude. Ugh, reptiles stink. Yeah, they do stink. Reptiles are the worst. It's fucking gross. Like even, that reptile room even, that used to be downtown yeah. smelled so fucking bad. Even speed bump, I was just like, you stink. Oh, well, I don't smell the turtles. They're outside. No, no. Tor- speed bump had to live in a tank. Hmm. He was small. He was only like this big, and he wasn't gonna get bigger. He would have disappeared if he was in a yard, because they burrow. So, Speedbump was in a tank. Um, I miss Speedbump. He was a sweetie. But, yeah. We had... Oh, yeah. His snake was called uh, Aki. Which just means here in uh, Japanese. It means here in Spanish, Well, it was too. Akito, which is here in Japanese. But we called him Aki, which is here in Spanish. And I was like, why? <laughs> um, but... The snake was cool, minus the fact that my brothers, like, forced me to watch them feed it, and I hated that. It made me sad. Um, also, he stunk. I'm trying to think. I think that's all the animals we had. Tigger's been my longest pet. I came home from the movies, and Honey Baked Hamster was dead. That was so sad. I freaked out. But he had been acting weird before that, too. And then Speedbump... Speedbump was sad. I had Speedbump for a long time, but he wouldn't eat. He started, he got like sick and wouldn't eat, and then he died. And then we buried him in the backyard in a cup. <laughs> um, which now that I think about it, I wonder if he was just like hibernating. <laughs> <laughs> Although Yikes. I don't, I don't think so, because I had him for a few years and he had never done that, but he wasn't eating, so I'm pretty sure he wasn't hibernating. But I loved him. He was such a good tortoise. Buried him alive. <laughs> and then I have, I've had multiple fish, but they always die. They always die fast. I am not a good fish keeper, except Walter. 
But I also said, I refuse to take care of him in the most <coughs> literal sense. I will feed him if I need to, but that is it. Because fish, fish and me, I, they always die. <laughs> they always die. So I was like, mm-mm, I am not being the fish t- caretaker. I bought a beta. I bought a beta here. We should probably, uh, forgot that this was still going. Mm. Oh, well, you know, welcome to listening to our animal talk and (laughs) weird names. Uh, and thanks for listening to what books we're looking forward to and what we've read. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye!